Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi there, I'm Brian Abena, and you're listening to the Mall Over Cut Podcast. Oh, Hello, good evening and welcome to this week's Mallover podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives all the news, views and opinion on a week of rugby action or with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at Mallover Podcast, Mallover Rugby Podcast on Facebook and you can find all of our podcasts on Anchor and Apple Pods and lots of other podcast sites. This week I am joined by The Lensman, how you doing Doug? And that, that was glorious. Was that um, duck and dofin why you've just burped down the microphone? I'm all right, yeah. Good. Just just for the record, listeners, Doug, if you didn't realise already, is an absolutely pretentious twat. Um, <laughs> I'm also joined by the housewife's favourite who enjoyed a, a, an Aldi fish cake for dinner. Phil, welcome. <laughs> Hi. And, uh, and you can't see him. But I can, and he looks like he wants me to paint, paint him like one of his French girls. Uh, the nicest man in Cornish from podcasting, Ben Eustace. Welcome, Ben. Disclaimer, I do not have any French girls. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, or boys. Yeah, captive or otherwise. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, and uh, we're going to have a chat about this this week's rugby. There's, there's not much going on next weekend. Obviously, if anybody actually cares about this European competition, um, especially now that the ECPR have announced that they're going to make all sorts of changes to squads to allow COVID regulations. And did you hear that every game, uh, if it can't go ahead, the the club will have to forfeit instead of it being rearranged, direct forfeit. And uh, yeah, unlucky. So uh, what, what's the forfeit? The forfeit is... Um, yeah, like a 30 point. Yeah, dirty pint. You have to run around the pitch in your pants, um, shouting, we are riddled with COVID. Don't talk about COVID, Rush. You'll cost us listeners again. I'm not, you know, <laughs> but, they, but what they have to do whilst they're running around the pitch in only their pants is wear a mask. Where? Over their ghoulies. Where, where do they have the, to the wear ma- a mask? The, the mask 
has to be worn around their genitals. Uh, it has to work its, work its way around the squad, going genitals to face to <laughs> genitals to face. <laughs> Genital mask. Nice. I mean, that'll stop the, the spread of certain infections anyway. Might increase the spread of others, but yeah. Wow. Well, you know, life in it. Yeah. Um, right. Shall, uh, should we talk about some rugby? Um, we were going to do a, a money line segment looking ahead till next week, but as I've already mentioned that nobody really cares about Europe. So we're going to look back, starting with the Friday night game at King's home, where it still entirely baffles me that Gloucester pitch. I can't get my head around it. I can't get my head around the reasoning for it. I can't get my head around why a team uh, with such, um, you know, a historically decent home record, like, you know, Gloucester and Kingston was always such a fearsome place to go. And they used to tie teams down with hard, you know, rugby, a lot of Friday night games at King's home in the wet. And now they, I mean, they, they seem to, kind of made it easier for for teams to visit in my view obviously it didn't work that way friday night but they kind of taken away a little bit of their their home edge i don't know what you think about that phil yeah totally agree um i think uh i think it was you that said it russ actually on friday that if this was back on the old king's home pitch bristol would have been out of the game probably by half time um if you that was me don't let him take credit for that Sorry, Dougie. Um, <laughs> if you look at somebody with the with the skill and the and the running quality of Charles Peartow, is he going to be happier on a pristine fake grass pitch or, or running through a, a bog at King's home and getting smashed by eight big heavy guys? Well, the the reality is that um, that that switch to an artificial pitch is not really likely to do Gloucester many favours other than the fact that they have got a bit of speed out back. But, I mean, Lloyd Evans was relatively uninspiring at fullback. Mate, you you say that and you're entirely correct. But for about 15 minutes, Ugo and Ben Kay literally circle-wanked over Lloyd Evans playing at fullback when I can't remember ever seeing him play fullback. And Ugo was like, oh, they didn't make such a good move. He's such a great decision maker at fullback. He's this, he's that. And I'm like... Well, if you listen to Ugo and Benke and Austin Healy and Lawrence Delalio, you can either convince yourself that you know fuck all about rugby or actually you know quite a lot and the people who are professionals know fuck all about rugby because they they just talk shit all the time. They just... And half the time they're talking just for the sake of talking. They're not contributing to anything. But But anyway, even... Going back to the the pitch issue, I mean, they've got they've got two of the hardest running centres in the Premiership. They've got Atkinson and Harris there, and they're playing on an artificial pitch. They they want mud and grass under their feet. I mean, Harris, the the guy must be hard as nails. The amount he was, his knees must have been skinned on that on that pitch, and he just yeah keeps going through it again and again and again. But I mean, we've we've been relatively critical of Gloucester over the last two or three years. Um, it's the first time I've seen them play this season, and I was quite impressed by them. They they seem to play rugby in the right kind of ways for the players that they've got. I think Hastings does a pretty good job of controlling it. He still um, looks ill. He does. Not having it. And what was he wearing on his fingers? 
Somebody uh, talked me through uh, that. It was um, was it Goromaru, the uh, Japan fullback, um, had fingers like that when they came over for the World Cup in 2013. You know what you've reminded me of? They, uh, and I don't know whether he still listens, but a good friend of mine, Tyrone. Ben, you'll remember Tyrone. Um, the getaway driver. <laughs> no, he was not. He, he is not a getaway driver. He's a mechanic. No, well, he dr- he drives a steam engine, so yeah, he he's not. He's not get away very far. far. Um, but he always used to. Well, he, he always, always, always would have. He used to use electrical tape as plasters because he just he would have cuts and bruises and snags all over his hands from working in the engines, and like the ends of his fingers would just literally be taped up with electrical tape. And that's what it reminded me of. Like Adam, Adam Hastings had electrical tape on the end of his fingers. And I can only think it was like, obviously not that, but it's, it was just, ugh, just pointless. It seemed pointless to me. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. Back to rugby though. <laughs> um, I thought, I thought the Gloucester back row were good. I thought Ackerman was, was, was decent. Probably not the man of the match for me. I thought Ludlow should have been man of the match. Um, I thought Morgan criminally some... underrated Lewis yep. Ludlow. Um, I think Morgan did some great carrying in the first half, and Jordy Reed was a bit abrasive and a bit more groundwork in the second half. And um, the the back row played pretty well there, and and they look like a okay. They don't look like a top four team, but they look like a team that should be in the top half quite comfortably come the end of the season. Gloucester. Um, I still don't get the Singleton thing. I think he's a He's a particularly average hooker. Um, I didn't see him do much other than the technical stuff that he should be doing, um, which, let's be honest, some hookers are not particularly good at, and he did the technical stuff right. But other than that, I didn't see much of him. Yeah. Um, um, Val Rapava Ruskin absolutely crucified a foe a couple of times. Um, and Gutovtsev... Um, got the better of Walmore as well. What what's going on at Bristol, Doug? Do you think? I mean, they've won two games this season, three games this season. They've beaten Bath, beaten London Irish, beaten Worcester. And- I, th- I think they've stood still, and no, and other clubs have moved forward. They haven't really added anyone to that squad of consequence since last year, have they? So <clears throat> while they were very much <clears throat> one of the dominant sides last year, it, every, the teams around them have moved forward and they've stood still. So um, I, I, I just think it's caught up with them. And they seem to only know how to play one way. And the, the premiership is fast, fast becoming a game of, you've got to be able to compete at the scrums and you've got to be able to finish chances. I mean, I guess that's all rugby, but um, they don't seem to be able to, They while they can, last season they were finishing everything they got. This season they seem to be just slightly off and they are getting pumped in every single game I see them play at scrum time. So doesn't lend itself. I also think Callum Sheedy's, dipped in form substantially and he was obviously a lot of the reason why they were why they were sort of playing with with so so much confidence last year he went a bit can i disagree the um rabbit in the headlights can i disagree with that i think 
Callum Sheedy rode the crest of a wave last season in a bath pack that got a lot that's, of that's what football. I said. Yeah, no, no, you think is it? I think I anyway, <laughs> I think what I'm gonna say is I think Callum Sheedy is average at best. And yeah, but last year he he absolutely wasn't. He was phenomenal. He he was he hit. No, I see. I don't think he. I don't think he was phenomenal. I think he did simple things with phenomenal people playing better outside him. I think Bristol arguably played better when Malins um, was in at ten. And yeah, they're definitely the uh, Malins didn't play ten for Bristol. Yeah, he did. He played at least two or three games while Sheedy was at the uh, in the Six Nations with Wales. And Are you sure? I'm pretty sure yeah. Lloyd played in those games. Nope, not always. Show me a stat. Show me somewhere where he played at 10. Okay, I will. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> um, uh, ben L as well. They lost Ben L. So, in fact, you could argue that they've gone... Rather than standing still, they've actually gone backwards because their squad's less good than it was this time last year. Um, it's not really a surprise because they they seem to they're trying to, you know, emulate midnight mid two thousands Real Madrid. Um, don't think that really works in rugby. Right, but you you guys need to carry on because I'm. Desperately searching for Max Mellon's at fly off. Do they miss Piotr as well? Siali Piotr as that physical presence at 12. I think they do. Yeah, I'd not really considered him, mate, to be honest. He played pretty much every game, didn't he, last year? Yeah. Well, and, I, and I was going to say was, was what Doug talked himself into saying is that without the two Saracens players that have gone from loan, plus the fact I think this is the first time Rodrada's played all season, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. first half of rugby. And so, did you see not, the immediate, you'd ever the immediate know that. impact? <laughs> but you know, if if you if you're looking for a a centre to make life of a, a fly half easier, that's probably the, one of the first names on your team sheet because he is hard running and he's creative. So, you know, you're missing two semi regular England starters and one of the best players in the world the team probably has gone backwards a little bit. Um, if you actually look at that team, if you take Pia Tau and Lua Tua out of that team, it's actually not that inspiring at all. It's, it's, it's very mid-table looking. Um, whereas even the even that Gloss team probably has a little bit more star power in it. Yeah, I mean, look, about... look at, look at um, where they came undone in this game. Henry Purdy, who was playing out of his skin last year, was found out a couple of times. Sinclair was pumped in the scrum. Afoa, who this time last year, everyone was standing around and, and jacking off. Um, He's 78. Yeah, yeah. Um, where's Alokin gone? He was scoring tries for fun last year. Is it Alokin, the ex-army guy? Yeah, Adi Alokin. Yeah. Um, Morahan. He was scoring tries all over the place. Uh, you know, the, the, there's a Dave Atwood. Where's Atwood? Is he injured? Just, just on the uh, John O'Foa thing. He last played international rugby ten years ago. That shows how old he is. 
Um, Atwood played, came off after 60 minutes. He's 38, John Afoe. Um, and I don't care who you are, you're not as good at 38 as you are at 37 or 36. Yeah. I do think that Gloucester are rounding off into quite a decent side as well. They're, you know, I think there's a bit of a homogenization of the premiership at the moment where every team is sort of retreating back to the mean. I don't think there's any standout teams. Like Leicester are playing really well. Um, but they're right. I think they are riding the crest of a wave. I think it'll be interesting to see if they if they do lose a couple of games, I mean, the you know, they're not going to go the whole season unbeaten, but um, they haven't lost. And and like Borthwick said, they've forgotten how to lose and it would be interesting to see how they react to getting beaten because it will happen. Um, from what I saw yesterday, they are not a team that any anyone should play thinking that they can't beat. I know they pumped Saints, but um, as a Saints fan, I don't think I'm as worried about playing them in the playoffs as I would be about playing Saracens or Exeter. No, I think you're probably right. Although, yeah, yeah, I think you are probably right. that They're, they're a team that are playing well at the moment. They're um, also a team that aren't suffering injuries. Correct. Every other team suffered injuries. That Leicester team's pretty much their first choice 15, which gets you a long way. Anyone? Bueller? He's still looking, isn't he? Still yeah, looking. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you look at... Um, the and, and it can't be understated. I'm not the biggest George Ford fan, but it can't be understated the impact of having him there for 26 games this season or 20... 24 games, whatever it is. Um, when everyone else around them are, are losing their their key men, you know, it's only, you look at Saracens are going to lose their 10, Saints lose their 10, um, Bristol will probably lose their 10, Exeter don't, but that's by the by, Quinns will lose their 10. Um I, I think you hit on a good point there, though, Doug, in that um, excluding Saracens, who still probably, despite some, some comments to the country, still probably have pretty good squad depth there, despite some players leaving permanently and some players not being available. The rest of the teams that are doing pretty well, so your, your, your Leicesters, your um, Saints, um, Quinns, Gloucester to some degree, um, the they've had a reasonable amount of stability in the squad throughout the, the nine games that they've had so far. Um, they, ha- they probably haven't suffered as many key injuries and they probably aren't as affected as, um, as, as other teams by players having been away a reasonable amount for, for uh, autumn internationals or off the back of the Lions tour or things like that. Although somebody will come up with a stat that will prove me wrong. Well, it won't be Russ, judging by his uh, no, no. inability to find whether or not. Uh, Max Maiden's played at ten for Bristol against Exeter last season. Great, um, but an Irish as well. Uh, who okay, they're, they're seventh. They're probably overperforming slightly compared with expectations. They got a very stable squad, and they wouldn't have lost many players or gained many players throughout various stages. Whereas some of the other teams, well. 
if you look at the bottom three, they're all teams that have gone backwards compared with last season. Yeah. Yeah. Are Irish underperforming? I'm not sure they are. I, I think overperforming. overperforming. I'm not sure they are overperforming. If, if anything, I'd say they're they're underperforming. They're that that side. I don't think many people would have put Irish as a top half team at the start of the season. <clears throat> I think I would have. I, I'm not sure that. I think they suffer from a bit of an image problem in that I, I, I'm yet to understand how someone like Hassel Collins or Tom Parton or Ben Loder haven't been given opportunities at a higher level. Um, that back three is probably one of the most frightening back threes in the country. We've got a really decent front row. They've got probably one of the best tens in the world that's not playing international rugby for reasons that we, we should not go into rightly or wrongly um and and they've only you know they've they... and they're well coached as well kidney they've, and they've drawn three kiss, kiss. Season, which yeah. I, I think that's Ooh, madness in itself isn't it yeah. yeah if they you know turn two of those into wins you know and they're in um third. they're in the top four comfortably they're in, in the top they're, four. In, they're in third if you turn two of those yeah. into wins so, I, okay, I just think then, that, that not, middle and not section... Many, and not many people would have picked them as a top four side at the start of the season. No, I think I think the league pretty much is... There's, there's two divisions, basically. I think London Irish to Leicester, any one of those teams can beat any one of those teams. And then maybe Newcastle sort of sit with a foot in either side. And then from Wasps down, although with, with Sale, it's a bit of a... I don't... I don't got my views on that but with um those teams they kind of seem a bit out of it at the moment something's going on at sale which i don't i can't put my finger on but um but you've got some suspicions well maybe he's not the messiah that he thought he was and that he tells everyone he is whenever whenever has a messiah been the messiah that they've made out themselves to be russ yeah He's not the Messiah. <laughs> I think um, on that point, I I think he was sort of doomed to failure. There, there's just a little bit of, he's gone there thinking that he's going to be the man. There's a little bit of hubris. And he came from a system that has been the same for nearly a decade. And I'm not sure he's got too many ideas about how to sort it out because he only know he only knows one way. He hasn't really had a proper rugby education, has he? When you look at someone like Borthwick, who's been all over the world, Chris Boyd's coached in different countries and different styles of rugby. That whole Harlequins coaching staff. Um, you, know. you could argue. You could argue Rob Baxter sits in that Sanderson boat, though. Could you? Yeah, but he 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 was the architect. He wasn't the, the he's, builder, yeah, was he? You know, built, he, was, it, he was the organ grinder, not the monkey. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he, he came <laughs> up with the system, whereas Sanderson was just part of a big machine. It's interesting when you look at Kelly Brat, like they've just literally removed Alex Sanderson and plugged in Kelly Brown, who's just got yeah. better eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, and less, um, less nauseating pitch side interviews. <laughs> uh, fair. Um, <clears throat> any more on Bristol and Gloucester? I know we've 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 
divulge straight well all over the place from there but uh before we go on to what what was the, the game of saturday doug you were uh well in... just one one thing where where does lewis ludlow sit in in uh i can never remember he's, a, he's an open side isn't he the hierarchy yeah. of english open yeah where sides. does he sit in that ranking uh he'll be for me i'd i'd put him pretty high high up there but i don't think he'd, he'd fit anywhere near eddie jones's criteria I just and that's I why he's behind it. Tom Curry Courtney Laws Itoje if so gets... Tom Laws and Itoje are six as if they play back row um, yeah or Curry can play eight but yeah it's Underhill's ahead of him that's the bottom line and Curry and, and if Underhill's injured probably they'll, play Curry, they'll play Curry at seven um, and Laws at six so he's probably third or fourth down that list. But if you look if you look at recent history, Lewis Ludlam has been in front of him. Yeah. He keeps and looking that, at Ludlam and and then And would Tom Willis be away. Jack Willis and Tom Willis? Jack would um, be. I mean I think yeah. if Tom Willis was going to get picked he might have been picked by now. The amount of work he gets through for wasps, I I mean I think he he's pretty decent and you you could argue that you know when we were looking for a number 8 when we were discussing Don Brandt and Simmons in that number eight jersey, Tom Willis, you know, is it slightly criminal that he's been completely overlooked for that? Or is he injured? I don't know. Um, but, you know, the amount of points he he gets through and the amount of work he gets through for Wasps is unbelievable. So, you know, he could, he I, could I, be an eight. It's just a bad time to be an English back row player, isn't it? because I don't think we've ever been stronger in that position. And there's going to be some truly remarkable players that never get recognition at international level. Yeah. And well, we'll have to wait and see when, when Jack Willis comes back, what, you know, where he fits into that, that England makeup. It's all is right. Because it, Lewis, you Lewis think- Ludlam's great grandparents uh, from Samoa. So he'll be changing his allegiance soon. Anyway. Who's that? Lewis Ludlow. Yeah, I was going to say, is he frantically searching for any kind of distant relative that was Welsh or Scottish? Do you not? Do you not think there's quite a big gap between Underhill and Curry and the others, though? No, yeah. I really don't. I haven't. I've I've watched a lot perhaps, of Lewis perhaps. Ludlow and uh, Ludlow, and uh, I don't think there is a massive gap. Um. I just think he's a different different type of player from them. Um, I think I think he does what he does better than the other two, but I think the other two are probably more rounded back row players that fit in the current England setup. I think he's going to be penalised as a result of the way that he plays rugby. But I'll tell you what, if I was playing six, I'd rather have him at seven than either of the other two because he, he will make your life so much easier. He's a line-out jumper as well. Yeah. You know, he's, he, I think he's um, just a, a really fantastic all-round player. And if he can't start, he should at least be on the bench or even in the squad. He's not even making the squads at the moment, is he? No. He, played in those, he, played in those two, he played in those two internationals in the summer, didn't he? Well, he captained one of them. Yeah, he? he did, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Became the fifth player in history to captain England on debut. Wow. There you go. 
Um, that's how you do research, Russ. Do it quick. <laughs> how, how many weeks have you been sitting on that stat? Uh, about 32 seconds. Incredible. Well done. Um, Saturday then, uh, Doug, you were at um, wherever Northampton play their games now. The, the Sim Stadium at Franklin's Gardens. The Sim Stadium at Franklin's Gardens. Yeah. Fucking rubbish. Um, <laughs> and they they sort of comprehensively beat Bow. I mean, from the highlights that I watched, um, <laughs> you know the the issue bar the issues Bath have defensively um, were pretty well exposed. I mean, it was almost optional defence at times, wasn't it? I, I I don't think it can be understated, and I think it it's been alluded to that. Bath lost McNally in the warm-up. Then they lost Ben Spencer after five minutes and Cipriani after 20. So losing, I'd say McNally is up there as one of their most important players at the moment. Um, losing your nine and 10, not ideal. Um, and being 14 nil down after five minutes, also not ideal. So... It was pretty toothless, I'll be honest. They were, but I think I, I think part of that was the fact that Saints came out of the blocks absolutely firing. And if you've lost already lost eight games, and you go fourteen nil down after five minutes, you're you're not going to have a lot of energy left, are you? I don't I don't think you're going to really just mail it in for the next yeah yeah mail minutes. it in, move on to the next one. I don't I don't think that Bath team have had a lot of fight and heart in them for a couple of years though because when things start going wrong they they implode um I think it's I mean, a serious I think it's a cultural issue in that club we we've said it before and we'll say it again I'm sure maybe we maybe even next year when one of these championship teams gets promoted but Bath are currently London Welsh bad yeah they are getting pumped every week they're averaging what fifteen points a game, conceding nearly thirty a game. I mean, that's ben, that's pretty ben, bad, Ben. How do you feel about that? I was going to say, how do you feel about that as a Bath fan? Well, a lot better than I would if there was relegation. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I would have loved. I would have gone to roughly twenty Bath games at the Wreck if they were playing Amps Hill there and. <laughs> uh, it's just not it's not working is it um, there's enough good players to be competitive because, because as you said earlier most of the teams are sort of regressing to the same standard and if Bath played at their best they'd be at that standard but they're just poor like the front the front five just seems to get battered every week. Which is incredible just considering that front then. five is who they are. You know, yeah. Lewis Boyce is an ex-England under-20s player. Will Stewart's a current pro- uh, England international. Um, Abano. Who was their hooker yeah. on Saturday, Ben? Done. Done. He's an England international, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's a liability. Yules. 
yeah. then you've got, you know, that, that team should not be getting pumped. And it, it has to be a messaging issue, right? It has to be, you can't lose, you can't be conceding twice as many points as you're scoring and, and, and looking this disheveled and unorganized with the talent that they've got available, unless there's a messaging think, issue that the players just aren't, they're not responding to their coaching, you know? I, I think we touched on it earlier in that Saracens play in a certain way and they play in a way that's so distinctive that they can plug in a new coach, as someone said earlier. That's how Saracens play. And they've gone down, come back. They've got some of the same players and some different players, but they still play roughly the same style that they played four or five years ago. And extra the same. They've got an identity that they play. And at one stage, a season or two ago, Leicester were almost as bad as this Bath team. But they've gone back to closer to their sort of horrible phrase, but rugby DNA. And, and become successful again. Um, and it's it's almost like Bath don't have a plan. Do you know at, 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 in the early stages of Hooper, they were trying to tough, you know, tough it up up front and beat people up. Well, they, they seem to have gone away from that, but are they trying to run a Bristol style attack? No, they're not really either. So what is it that they're trying to do? Um, you know. Mears, Mears a decent player. Ajoe's a decent player. De Glanville's really good, but are they just doing individual things more than they're doing linked Bailey's, up play? I think that's probably true. Bailey's a decent player. Yeah, Bailey's been well. good. Um, yeah. I, just, I, mean, I think it's that, that I think didn't it's help that they had Max Ajomo playing his first ever game at ten after Cipriani yeah. went off. I mean, that, you know, they've, that suggests they've not that they haven't got a plan this year either. Yeah, what? Go on, Ben. I just say they 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 haven't had a, a lot of Spencer this year either. But you know, it, it just seems a bit rudderless. But so you, you got Cipriani playing ten, but no legitimate ten cover on the bench. It doesn't make any sense. Someone's picking that team. Now it's either injuries or whatever that they haven't got anyone that can do that job. And that's nothing against Max Ajomo, who's been what, you know, I think he's been one of the shining lights of Bath coming into the side playing 12. I think he's been really good, but he's not a 10. No. And yeah, you're right. It's exactly what, what we're talking about. There's doesn't seem to be a lot of, planning going on now I don't actually know if Bailey is injured or not but, um, <laughs> even if he is most teams have got a third fly half well yeah exactly but you know we're just looking I mean, at you know people throwing in the like Harvey Skinner for Exeter has played a lot of games this season yeah. there's um Oh God, the lad at um, Charlie Atkinson at Wasps before he got injured. There's there's a couple out there, and they're they're just kind of throwing them in. Like you've almost got to do it, haven't you? Are we too far gone in this season now, Ben, to make a a change and it reasonably affect? And is there actually any kind of desire to? change and affect this season or is this season now a write-off 
I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I mean, the seasons are right off anyway. So if you're going to make a change, you probably want to make it now and, and try and if, if you, if you can bring in someone now, they can identify types of players they want to sign. Whereas if you leave it to the summer, it's too late. You can also, you know, bring a, bring your own style to the team and it doesn't matter what that style is but they need to know what it is so you can get pumped by 40 points playing like this or you can get pumped by 40 points learning a new system well it's got to be better to be learning the system um so if you're going to make a change make it soon and and you've got that 18 months to prepare to head into a pre-season next season rather than End of the season. Yeah, I mean, then get a new coach, then prepare. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know what's going on. They might have already identified someone. They might have them lined up even, and and they might tell them who they want to sign. And but but they're not going to be able to impose um, how they're actually going to play on on whether while the coach that's in place is in place. Um, but it, yeah, I mean. Doug's not wrong. It is looking London Welsh bad, isn't it? Do you, do you feel like it, it's now a point of pride for Dyson and and Bruce Craig to not get rid of because they they they'd obviously groomed him from it was it, he was being spoken about as being the DOR the next Bath DOR two years before he retired, right? Yeah, it's it's almost like it's their own. It's sort of their own. It's like an indictment of their brilliance because they're both. Yeah, you know, they're it, all it, successful it, businessmen, aren't they? And they and 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 have they? Are they holding on to this because they don't like being wrong? It's almost like an old school football club. Um, you know, the ones you read about from the seventies that were sort of run by the guy that uh, had the sort of five local car dealerships, and that is run as almost their own sort of fiefdom. And it, it, you know, it's got that feel to it. Like Bruce Craig has quite a lot of input, um, and you know, it seems, stuff seems to be done his way. So if Hooper's his man, then perhaps that is a reason that they're persevere with, persevering with him. But at the same time, no one's going to be putting that much money into a club and having so little return on it. So they, they've got to be running out of patience soon, surely. Well, I, I mean, they're playing so. Leinster this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, when was the last time 100 points was put on a team in the Champions Cup? Fucking hell, well, Saints have had a few goes at it. Yeah. Did, did you see Did you see the, t- the retweet I did yesterday? Someone had just put next Leinster v Bath and they put the, um, you know, the African funeral gift. <laughs> <laughs> Just go there, boys. Get the vase out and uh, pull your shorts down. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't think Bath need to look at anything personnel-wise. I think it purely comes down to coaching and mental preparation. I think so, something is up when you've got a team absolutely jam-packed full of players of international quality, and as soon as they go 20 points down, they totally capitulate every game. Like if you look at their results, they've either lost by ignoring the sale game. They've either lost by kind of five to 10 points or they've lost by 40 plus points. 
And, and that has to be a mental thing. Those players are not bad they, enough that they should ever lose by 40 points. But they played pretty well against Bristol. Um, yeah. But, um, uh, which Flatman was a while tweeted, ago. Yes, Yeah, Flatman tweeted though yesterday, which I agreed with at the time, the games where they have been competitive, they've shot themselves in the foot by taking their best players off. You know. Yeah. So I, they, I, lost, I, they, I, lost, they lost by five well, points. It's kind of a... Um, you know, you used to do that. that it, it, and if you go back to our earlier podcast, you'll hear me complaining about that, about Malander. It yeah. was like, it didn't matter Systematic how well was playing at 60 minutes. You know, at 60 minutes, um, Myler would come off and we would put on, I don't know, any one of those journeyman fucking fly-offs that we had. You know, uh, who was it? R- Ryan Lamb or the, the Shane Geraghty or... <laughs> We'd, we'd put on, we'd put on a centre at ten because Myler was only playing sixty minutes that week, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the, the Bristol game. If, if Malander was still there, guaranteed they'd assigned Billy Twelve Trees by now. Oh him. no, danger of that not being the case. The other one we'd have definitely. They, the, who's who's the other one we'd definitely have signed? Oh, right, Ryan. Uh, right, um, Rory, no, the the Leicester one. Freddie Burns. Freddie Burns. Freddie Burns. <laughs> oh, God, he would have been a Saints player under Malander. Yeah, definitely. And then been replaced by his brother, Billy, after a while. Yeah, yeah. Right, let's move on. Let's move on. Exeter versus Saracens. The kind of the clash everyone's been waiting for, wasn't it? Um, and it just so happened that Exeter... You know, had a load of players back from injury. Um, Saracens had a, a few players back from injury, the likes of Alex Good. And no, not Alex Good, the likes of Elliot Daly. Um, and Ben, uh, who was the other one that came back from injury? I might have just been. Let's, let's just wait five minutes while Russ finds out. Fuck off, <laughs> not bad. Um, um, but it, it absolutely lived up to all the hype. I thought it was an absolutely fascinating game. Um, whilst, and I'll, and I'll directly compare this to the game on Sunday for Leicester versus Quince. Whilst it lacked any real quality, like real quality for 80 minutes, what it made up for was intrigue and passion. And that the fact that it was always kind of it, it boiling point, it was always simmering. Um, whereas Quinns versus Leicester just kind of lacked any real quality and it was just a little bit uh, meh. Um, what do you make? There's a lot's been made of Luke Pierce of, of this, um, you know, oh, let, you know, did he, did he not give the players enough respect by not man-managing them when he just marched Atoji and then Billy Villapola back for 20 metres when they back-chatted him? And I'm, you know, a lot of back chat, a lot of non-captain chatter to the referee goes on a lot in rugby nowadays when, well, maybe not even five years ago, nobody could speak to the referee other than the captain. You couldn't even like, don't even approach him because I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to your captain and that's it. And now it's all very pally pally. It's all very first name terms. Not now, Danny. You know, leave it there, Mako. 
you know, all of this, you know, first name terms, which I find unnecessary. I find it almost unprofessional. I think that it should be, it should be kept to a, to a drawn line. I'm all for a bit of mutual respect, but I think using first names, having a laugh and a joke is, is not the way to go. And, and I think that players have started to take advantage of that. So when I saw Luke Pierce march Saracens back 20 metres, I thought it was fantastic. And I think it should happen a lot more because it would stamp out a load of the shit that goes on at the moment. Um, and Luke Pierce, and I think Doug, you'll, you'll agree, you said before we come on, is comfortably, comfortably the best referee in the Premiership at the moment. Oh, I think so, yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, that that's... That's including Barnsley, as far as I'm concerned. I think on on current form, um, and I use Barnsley specifically there as a as a noun to uh, prove a point. So <laughs> what what you say is right, though. The Russ, in, in yes. that um, the the referees and how the referees referee the game determines how the players play. Uh, and to some degree, it's always been that way, but it's it's even more that way in the era of professionalisation. And, and the clubs will have somebody analysing how the referees referee the game so that they know what they can do and what they can't do. And it's a classic Eddie Jones tactic early when in his England career to give away a penalty in the first five minutes to find out where that line is drawn for giving away a penalty. If you look at putting the ball in straight in the scrums, until it gets penalised, that's never going to change. They, they will always put the they ball just, in crooked the, because nobody ever gets pinged for it. Well, they, they do that, Phil, because they everyone's can. so shit scared of people getting injured at a scrum. I mean, I don't know how often people have actually been injured at scrums at rugby in the last 100 years. Yes, there have been some serious injuries in all facets of rugby, but yeah. they all they want out of that scrum, the, all the referees want is the ball out of it as soon as possible. So they don't have to make a fucking decision. And when yeah. they do make a decision, it's a guess. But it's the same for like every penalty that gets kicked to touch. The the kicker starts his run up where the penalty's given and then takes another three or four yards and pinches yeah. that and gets away with it. The hookers all oh, they stand on the mark and then they take a step towards their team. So they're, they're, they're starting not throwing them in straight. The only way things like that ever change is if they get penalised. So you know what? If you want to stop back chat to the refs, and I think we do want to stop back chats to the ref, if you're not the captain, the only thing that you should be allowed to say is, excuse me, sir, what was that for? Um, then yeah, ping them, push them back 10 yards, push them back another 10 yards. I can pretty much guarantee that that Billy and, and, and uh, Itojo showed a lot more respect after that point than they were before it. Quite possibly. We had a bit of correspondence from uh, from Twitter. It's Andrew Riley is a Saracens fan. He said, Exeter versus Saracens, not arguing the result, and the team able to score tries normally win the game. But even though, Sar- uh, even though Saracens served it on a plate for him, Phil Luke Pierce had a rough game and maybe let ego get to him. Hopefully not too biased of a view, Andy. Um <coughs> Thanks for getting in touch, Andy. Um, I know we, we've kind of started on the Luke Pierce thing there, but I think, again, you know, this isn't even from an Exeter point of view. I, I think that he was consistent and I think he was um, in charge and he let the players know he was in charge. And whilst, whilst, he was in charge by making correct decisions. 
what I don't like is is often people like Carly and Tempest who try tempo. and a tempo or oh, thing that we started who try who try and make decisions they make decisions and they and they rule with that kind of a bit more of an iron fist but they they do it wrong they they get it wrong more often than not whereas Luke Pierce he, he adapts his game to the situation and I think the fact that that Saracen's Exeter Saracen's game would have been you know part of his briefing would have been the fact that they there are two teams that there's mutual dislike of each other is going to be at boiling point I think he chose to referee it along that harder line to keep it under control, which I think was entirely the right way of going about it. Um, Ben, I think you probably disagree with that slightly. Well, yeah, I I do agree that Luke Pearce is a really good referee. I also think Barnes is a really good referee. Um, But I didn't think he had his best game. I mean, there was one penalty decision about against Satoje that was absolutely baffling. Um, but yeah, I thought it, I thought it was a bit much the marching and back. To be quite honest, I think the refs have been told to do it this season because I, I think there has been more of it. Um, but I'm not so in favour of being completely unquestioning of the referee. Uh, I think as as long as you're not calling him a dickhead, I think you should be able to ask. And I think. You know, if you've, I mean, an international ref isn't going to do it as much as the refs at our level, but we've probably all been on the end of a, a penalty against us, which was incorrect. And I think if that's the case, it's probably best to get into the refs here a little bit and let them know that it was quite borderline. Um, and I, I thought from, I don't know what was said to him with the 20 metres incident, but it did just look like they were, trying to question what had happened to the penalty that they should have had further up the pitch. Well, and I think, but you shouldn't do that. Should you? Well, why I mean, not? I know this is a bit rich coming from me, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and I will be the first to admit that I am probably not most referees, best friend in any sport that I've ever played. Um, but like, you know what the laws say? You shouldn't you shouldn't be questioning or do it you know shouting at, at the referee in any way shape or form. And if you get marched back ten meters, it might think, make you think about your conduct next time, which it probably did. Yeah, but I don't know. I just thought I think you know in, in if if he if he called him stupid or sworn at him, then fair enough. But if he's just Asking what happened to the penalty we should have had down there, I'm not sure that that's the most but, heinous crime that I've ever no, heard on a road but, pitch. But again, we don't know what was said, and maybe it was it wasn't the first time that that type of incident had happened during the game, and and he let him go. Right, I, him. I mean, Billy is is a bit of a serial complainer, isn't he? It's 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 not the first time he's had a penalty like that I, against I'd him. I'd go as so. far as to say he's a bit of a tit when he's on the field. He, he's um. He he's got that. I'm so hard done by poor me. Why you know, for want of a better word, why always me? Um, look about, and you you can see on that video when he's been marched back, he's still looking around. You can still say that you, you can see that he's saying to himself, 
this guy's a fucking idiot and I'm right. Which I I think is something that needs stamping out. And if uh, Luke I Pierce mean, wants to march bait. teams back 50 times in a row, good on him. I'm all for it. I think I, I mean, think the fact that it was those two teams, the first time that they'd met since us as a comeback, and he knew it was going to be spicy, and he just he wanted to make sure that everybody knew he was in charge. And I think maybe maybe that was the right way to do it because it actually kept a lid on most of the and most of potential flashpoints when they did occur, which is they were which is out a, a shame. Well, is it though? Like it kept the game going, and which is what, which is actually what I wanted to mention yeah. briefly about the game on Friday night, which was was done just after half past nine, for the first time in God knows how long, because the game actually flowed because it wasn't stop start stop start penalty injury penalty trainers on, you know, it was it was nice it was refreshing. But anyway, Saracens, uh, Exeter Saracens, uh, two good tries by Exeter, Tommy Flaherty, and then the, the second half try by, by Luke Cowan-Dickey. Exeter rewarded for scoring tries rather than, you know, and they kept Saracens well, out. Bizarrely, both those tries came up straight after Saracens' best chances. Yeah. The two times Saracens looked like they were going to score. And I wonder if that, kind of uh they may be just overcommitted slightly in the hopes of scoring and because other than those two tries Saracen's defense was all over Exeter. Yeah. Um and I, I you know it was almost as if they they got a sniff of the line and just overcommitted a little bit and then Exeter took advantage. Um you know Cowan Dickey and, and Slade both played really well but I thought Atoje was just head and shoulders the best player on the pitch. He's just just a nuisance and uh i i do think if if that game had been three weeks ago four weeks ago before gray and hill were available i think it would have been different i think oh, mate, just had enough i i i completely agree and and that's when i mentioned about the people coming back from injury gray and hill cowan dickey uh joe simmons starting at 10 um noel on the wing they just kept like every sort of Saracens weapon. Saracens never got going really from an, an attacking point of view. Everything they tried with the ball in hand, Exeter shut down completely. And they did what Sale couldn't do the week before. I don't know what any of you guys thought about that. Well, I didn't see the game, so I can't comment. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was. It was very much uh, an arm wrestle, wasn't it? It was. It was an entertaining arm wrestle, but it was still an arm wrestle. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Abs- absolutely. And but it was, it was gripping, and right to that final, that final passage of play where, um, where Saracens were, were going, were going for it, and. Yeah, you know, just little errors, but forced by great defence. I thought Yanis Kirsten when he came on was massive. And whilst the two benches were relatively light, I thought, like in, in quality, you know, where you used to think both benches would have star-studded talent to come on. 
like neither of them were were particularly strong. I mean, you look at uh, Pifletti, Swinson, Van Zyl, Morris, McFarland, Maui, Clary, Christie for Saracens. Then there was Capstick, Hendrickson, Kenny, Kirsten, Sam Maunder, Nixon, Skinner and Yendel or Yeandal. Um, <laughs> good old, good old Jack Yeandal. Uh, for Exeter, like they, I miss they, us getting names wrong. No, none of those names are striking fear to anyone. Like, and so whilst the starting fifteens for both teams were exceptional, like one of the biggest, um, the biggest differences I thought was Yanis Kirsten coming off the bench because they took Johnny Gray off in the second row, and they they moved. Um, uh, no, sorry, they took Don Armand off for Kirsten. And he just added that massive amount of physicality that they needed at that time. And it was, you know, it, it was right after Cowan Dickey had scored and it just it completely ballasted them. He took that next kickoff. He then got a turnover, which, and it was Kirsten that got the turnover in the last minute to, to get to the ball back to kick it out as well. So, yeah, I mean, they've, they've, they've definitely, definitely missed him. Phil, you got anything to add on, on this game? Uh, not specifically on this game, just, yeah, I think it's kind of stuff we've already covered in terms of uh, this is, it's going to end up being such a weird season. By the end of the season, we're going to flog the same lines about how Exeter and Saracens are not as good as they were a couple of years ago. And yes, things have clicked for various teams at various times, but I just, yeah, it's going to be a competitive season, which is good. Um, there's some some entertaining rugby being played out there, again, which is good. I just get really disappointed when I think that there's no relegation this season. It just pisses me off. It just but, makes it all pretty irrelevant, but, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm good with it. <laughs> yeah, there you are. <laughs> Why's that? It, but you know uh, what? Bath, get, bath of crap. Getting relegated would be the best thing for Bath potentially to get relegated, start again, build up with a keep, keep as many of the players as they can, build a bit of culture around it, and come back better in fifteen months' time or eighteen months' time or whenever it would be. It's just a real shame it wasn't Leicester. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, Leicester are the ones that disprove that theory that it would have been good for them because they're doing pretty well anyway. <laughs> Okay, talking of Leicester then, Welford Road or the Mattioli Woods Welford Road Stadium on Sunday for the current league leaders against the Premiership champions from last season. Um, before we start uh, rating Ben Young's too highly, um, I mean, which isn't ever going to happen. Ben, what did you what did you make of this one? Well, I was really looking forward to this one because um, it was Stewart playing against Tyrone Green and I was really looking forward to giving Eddie some grief because Eddie thinks Tyrone Green's better than Stewart. I mean, um, that's... But I thought Green... Borderline moronic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Um, Probably better in the caravan. Um, 
but I, I actually thought Green played quite well, um, other than one of those uh, George Ford kicks that shall not be mentioned, which he completely <laughs> missed. But uh, oh, mate, he, Austin he, Healy talking about those kicks, like like it's the first thing that's ever like the first time it's ever been invented or happened. Oh, the worst one, the worst thing Austin did in that whole game was when the Quinn's second row went to hoof the ball clear and completely got underneath it and it turned into a cross kick. And he was like, oh, look, he's looked up. He's looked up. Now, he might have looked up and seen the two players out there, but even if he had seen them, he was just going to belt it as far as he could and hope they could chase it. He wasn't trying to pick him out like Bowden Barrett, you know, from from... 40 meters away. He hasn't he anyway, hasn't dropped he hasn't fact, dropped it onto his foot, has he? He's not dropped it onto his foot and no, nudged it into the corner. He He's looked up to, to see where the touchline was. Into Coventry. Um <laughs> oh, he's seen him, he's seen him. Yeah, he probably has seen him, but he was still trying to belt it. Anyway, um, but yeah, I thought uh Green was pretty decent under high ball. They put a, a lot of pressure on him in pretty bad conditions, and but it was quite telling that. Quinns didn't do the same to Stewart. They they didn't even bother. Um, so he was he was more like clearing up scraps. But I, I I think I enjoyed this game more than you did, Russ. Thought it was a decent game. Um, agree with something Doug said uh, in the chat that Kelly was probably the man of the match. Thought he was excellent in the centres for for Leicester. And you know Ford is Ford is playing out of his skin as we said many times. Um, it wasn't uh, the best game that Smith's ever had in his life. He got yellow carded and um, just wasn't at his best. And I thought, I mean, when you get when you get a, handed off into next week by Ben Youngs, yeah, you know you're on to hiding to nothing. Yeah, and, and as as a result, the um, the two centres had very quiet games for for Quinns. Um, but I mean, I think we've mentioned Murley before as being a good player, but I, I didn't realise he was quite as big as he is and powerful. Um, and although Liner scored a good try, he had a bit of a tough afternoon. Um, but, you know, Leicester were the better team in that game, and I think they deserve to win. Um, I think if Quinns had, had snuck, snuck it, uh, it would have been a, a little bit of a, a robbery, I think. Um, the, 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 the lad that came on, Chesham, looked a good player as well. Was he the back, did he the come on row. in the back row? Yeah, he looked pretty quick and showed some decent hands at times. So uh, maybe they've got another one there. Um, but that's good news for again, everyone. It was, <coughs> yeah, it was. It was another. It, it was a very similar game to the Quinn uh, to the Saracens one. And as you said, the, there's not quite as much of a grudge between these two teams, so it didn't have quite quite the edge. But they they were both played in pretty difficult conditions there was quite a lot of dick fingers going on by all four teams at, at times um and yeah home side just snuck it on both occasions uh, douglas did you manage to stay dry at the matty early just about, road yesterday just, just about yeah wore my saint scarf you know <laughs> how did that go down well i had to do something to make anything in that ground mildly likable so well, it um, wasn't going to be you that that was my effort um I thought that Quinns are playing like the team we think Quinns actually are. I think there's so much to be said 
for um, momentum being the, the point of difference and a little bit of belief being the point of difference for teams in the Premiership. They, as in they, as in Harlequins, are a very good side with their tails up. But if you stick it on them, they don't like it. And I think that was evidenced yesterday. Um, they didn't really have any answers for Leicester's aggression and defence. And I don't think they can overpower teams. So they were found... I mean, their scrum was um, quite surprised. <laughs> I say that, but then their scrum yesterday was sort of dominant over a lesser scrum that I thought would be the one that was going forward all, all the time. Um, but as I said, I don't think they can cope with the physicality of teams like Leicester. Ben, you mentioned Murley a minute ago and he, he burst onto the scene a couple of years ago now. And then he is an impressive individual. Do you think, and and you could argue the same could be said for, for green to a certain extent. It's obviously the way they're being coached or the way they're being told to, to play the game. But a couple of times, Murley got himself free down the wing. And instead of kicking into space behind, even just a little grubber and tra- chasing through, because he is quick, he kind of backed himself to run through or round people. And he got, he got tackled into touch a couple of times. Um, Dan Kelly got across once and we mentioned him. I thought he was excellent on the day. Um, but just the, a, a utilization of space and whether that's, whether that's him not identifying it or whether he's just sort of been told not to do it, but like he had, um, who was directly opposite him? Potter. Was it Potter? And at one point he, he bounced off a of Potter, went round the outside and, if he'd kicked to the corner, they would have gained quite a, quite a lot of territory, except he kept hold of it and, and then got bumped into touch. And it was just a bit, it seemed a bit naive. I don't know. I don't know if either of you guys noticed that. Uh, yeah, I did notice that, he, you know, it's the one thing I know about rugby that you don't try and go outside of a man <laughs> with the touchline because <laughs> it's an extra defender. So, um, uh, what, what do you do instead, Doug? You just chip it. Oh, you just chip it over him. the top of him, mate. Yeah, yeah straight to him. Straight to him. Yeah. yeah. Um, Doug's the wrong person to ask about chips, isn't he? Well, I'd say Russ is the wrong person to ask about chips, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honest. Absolute shambles. Um, <laughs> uh, my my preference would always be to keep the ball in hand. Um, but you're right. He needs to cut inside if he's going to do that. Um. That might be because I'm Britain's slowest fullback, so chipping ahead's probably not playing to my skip. My, my no, strength. But, but if you've got support players as well, like you're gonna pin pin teams down, and then you get you get the scrum. Even if they win the line out and kick it back, and you you get then get a line out on halfway. As it transpired, he was giving away a line out on halfway back ball back to the opposition, and it just doesn't really make any sense. Maybe he can't I, kick. I think. Well, that's I think it works. It works back from the other side as well. In terms of um, probably both Murley and Green will have taken the ball and had multiple defenders in front of them, 
and, and run at them and try to run around them and try to run through them at times when a kick may have been a more sensible option to clear your lines or a pass in field. And I think it's 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 more a matter that they've had it coached into them that if they lift their head and they fancy going for a run, then go for it. And the, and the rest of the team will just have to deal with the consequences um, as opposed to whatever you do, don't kick the ball. I think it's more a, yeah, go for a run, go for it. And it kind of comes back to that Green versus Stewart conversation. Yeah, Green is a better a better running fullback with the ball in his hands without a shadow of a doubt. But that doesn't mean that sometimes he doesn't run up blind alleys and cost you I, the ball and not make the right tactical decisions. I don't know whether he is. I watch Freddie Stewart run with the ball in two hands and he identifies space. He takes contact. He, to me, runs more head up. So as in play play in the game as he as he likes it to be as he wants it to be played. Whereas whereas Tyrone Green would be what I would call a head down runner, and yeah. he is just gonna he is just gonna get his head down and run. So stats wise, Tyrone Green has run eleven hundred and seventy six meters this season, um, which is the highest in the Premiership by quite some distance. Murley's about seventh on six hundred and forty. Esther Hayes in 618, but obviously his his yards are in a, in a very different way. But actually, that is that's seriously impressive for Esther Hayes. Um, Stewart doesn't even make the list, which bottoms out at 588. So Tyron Green's gained at least double the number of metres that, that Stewart has. Probably so, bearing in mind Stewart was not playing Premiership rugby for, five, for at least five career. weeks. Correct, correct, and also, I I just think he he makes better tactical decisions, and sometimes that's kicking the ball, sometimes that's passing the ball, and that and Green, that to Green me gets that, the ball in his hands, and he wants to run past people every time. Exactly, and there's a time yeah. and a pl- and there's a time and a place for that. Stewart's yeah. running at his support, whereas Green's more of a complete Green's- broken field runner who's just going to try and make something happen. Whereas, yeah. whereas Stewart is is a classical fullback in that he's going going to make a more sensible decision, he's, which is yeah. basically what Russ was trying to say. But yeah, um, exactly what I was you know, to not to not to say Green is not a good player, but absolutely. Um, uh, but Stewart is better. I think we're we're, we're all we're all on record, aren't we? Yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. And, uh, and you know, you might hear or might not hear more about that later in the week. Um, right. Any other rugby-related business that anybody wants to talk about? Anything Anything going on? Any of you? Oh, just... Good uh, win for Hornets. Yeah, exactly. Great win for Hornets. Fantastic win. They um, went down to Penstock and uh, turned over the team that so far, this season's the only team to have beaten Topsham in, in the league. Um, and, uh, yeah, one of their coaches afterwards says that said that the Hornets have got a team of absolute athletes who are well-drilled, which doesn't sound like any Hornets team I've ever played in. <laughs> Certainly wasn't the Hornets team that I played in. Noticeable that Russ wasn't on the, on the uh, team sheet this week. <laughs> yeah, conspicuous by my absence. I'm still injured. I mean, they're... They're, they've had a really interesting season. They they got pretty badly beaten in five out of the first six games. Drew down at Veal being their only points. And since then have won all but one. Yeah. Um, 
since since I made my return against Hale. Since I got injured. Well, you know, the two Huge. things aren't mutually exclusive. Huge credit to uh, Lee Pascoe, who came out of retirement, played one game at hooker, and then his next game at fullback. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's so and, level eight. And and I think enjoyed enjoyed the uh, bus trip back quite a lot yeah, as well. I think, I, think, <laughs> I think they all enjoyed the bus trip back, which is arguably the best bit. In fact, Where's no, argu- no arguably <laughs> about it. Um, right, <laughs> let's, let's get into some any other business. Douglas, any other business? Um. Come back to me, mate. Yeah, come back to me, mate. Why do you always come to me first? <laughs> Do it on purpose. Philip. Um, I took the boys down to Plymouth Pavilions yesterday, last night, to go and see uh, Major Tim Peake, um, who did a little talk about his trip into space, showed some really interesting videos, some clips. The boys absolutely loved it, were, were completely enthralled by it. Um, I thought Major Tim Peake was mailing it in a little bit, to be honest, um, and didn't seem entirely engaged with what he was presenting. Uh, but at 35 quid a head and a full pavilions, he can do what he likes, can't he? Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I would probably say if you're interested in it, I'd start with reading his book first. Uh, but yeah, no, it was good fun, nonetheless. Late night back for the kids, though. Good. Ben. Um, I watched a programme on Netflix called Elves, which was uh, Danish. Is it follow up to Elf? It, kind of, yeah. It, it, it's uh, basically the elves are like evil and uh, a, a sort of terror, terrorising this village. Uh, it was uh, it was quite short and it, it, it was I'm not. I'm not making a recommendation here. All I can say is the main character, who was a teenage girl, was the most irritating character I've ever encountered on a television program. And uh, by the end of it, both of us were encouraging the carnivorous elves to rip her to pieces. <laughs> Good, Doug. Are you back now? Um. I haven't really got anything this week. Okay. Sorry, everyone. That's fine. Fair enough. Um, just, I watched uh, just, 14 just, um, Sorry, sorry, Russ. Just uh, watch this space for some interesting things in the next couple of weeks. Ooh. Exciting. Or maybe just after Christmas. There's some, should, I've got, I've got some logs on fires that may interest everyone that uh, listens to this podcast. I think we Nothing. should probably put the teasers earlier on in the pod because not many make it to the end. <laughs> oh, they're, they're all still listening. Um, I, I will I will end this off. Um, I, I'm two-thirds of the way through 14 Peaks. What a fucking guy that is, by the way. That, you actually watched a recommendation of mine? Of course I have. Watch all your recommendations. Do they you bollocks. Don't always agree with them, but I always watch them. Um. But what an amazing, amazing individual. Quite incredible. Yeah. Um, the next thing I'm going to suggest is the Ashes start tomorrow night. Is it tomorrow night? I'm beyond excited. It's going to be incredible. Can't wait. Um, but whilst the cricket, while we're talking cricket, there is a New Zealand spinner, Indian-born New Zealand spinner, Ajaz Patel, 
who took 10 wickets in an innings earlier on this week. And he bought, he single-handedly bowled India out for about 360 only for New Zealand to get bowled out for 62 in their first innings. Um, but I think he's the only the third or fourth player in test match history to take 10 wickets in an innings, which is quite an incredible feat. So, uh, Fair play, old age as. Um, in his home, where in the city where he was where he was born, um, taking ten wickets for New Zealand against India. So fair play. it was at the Wanker Day, wasn't it? It was at the Wanker Day, not to be confused with Timmy Mallet. <laughs> what did he get? What did he get in the sixty-two? Uh, hold on, and I will tell you. Analysis sixty-two all out, and he got he picked up four wickets in the second innings as they were declared. He was uh, he was not not out for one ball, batting at eleven. Um, and in India's second innings, he picked up four for one hundred and six. So his match figures were fourteen for um, fourteen for one hundred and twenty-five from and- quite a lot of overs from about 60, 67 overs. And a batting average of infinity. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, but yeah, I'm excited about the Ashes starting. I, I can't wait to uh, not put one up the Aussies. So there you go. Right, let's go. We'll, um, I mean, we might be back next week. We might do a punching chat or something next week. We might do something different next week because it's European rugby and not many people really give a shit. Some people mm. do, but uh We'll see. We might might do something different next week. Um, But other than that, we will see you all very soon and listen out for some other um, crazy stuff. Make sure you listen to Rugby Around the Banter this week, everybody. Uh, Eddie has got some pretty special stuff planned, apparently. I I don't know what that is. So uh, I will speak to you all very soon. Go well. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.